Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Michelle Lenahan. We are not going to get into the many different hats that you've worn over the last 15 years since you started working in national security. But I do think it would be useful. As I said in the introduction, you've you've worked a lot of regional issues, especially with regards to the African continent. And you've had to do different things in different roles. Most recently, you were in a very senior position as the acting deputy assistant secretary of defense of African affairs. And you led a team of 15 to 18 people to advance the Department of Defense's strategic interests in Africa. You've also had to testify before the House Foreign Affairs Committee. You have worked as a chief of staff to the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Homeland Defense and Global Security. That's quite a mouthful. And in that role, you advised and represented senior leadership on management, personnel, and substantive issues related to cyber, countering weapons of mass destruction, space, and homeland defense portfolios. I'm I'm chuckling because I'm intimidated just reading that, Michelle. Can you help? our young listeners appreciate how you prepared for these different roles and how you would drink from the fire hose without drowning? (laughs) Well, one, I think having intellectual curiosity is always helpful because there's just a natural appetite to learn and really dig in and, and understand the issues in a quick amount of time, which is required depending on what the role and the function is and, and what's happening at the time. And then also, I would just say a real work ethic. So wanting to dig in and spend the time, you have to really put in the time in order to understand issues and develop relationships so that you can get a full picture and understand sometimes the fast way to get information versus a slower route to do it. So also really, I think, pinpointing what it is that you need to know and then being sharp on that. So it's a matter of you know, working smart and hard, I would say. Okay. So... Could you maybe give us an example, just a random example of how you 
would step into any of the big roles that you've had in which the learning curve is super steep without psyching yourself out? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you're in it. So you got to make it work. I guess <laughs> that's part of it too, right? So um, I, I think it's probably just an interest and a desire, a desire to do right by the people who put you there, a desire to do right by the people who you're serving, who are working with and, and for you. And so, you know, there's a task at hand and you've got to get it done. So I don't think there's time to get psyched out mm. or, or the, the, the luxury of getting psyched out. I think you just have to do it. I've, I've been consistently heartened and I really mean this. To hear from some super accomplished men and women that I've interviewed on Time for Coffee who have clearly crushed every position they've had and big positions like those you've had. To hear from them that, yeah, it's intimidating if you let yourself really kind of sit there, but you've got a job to do. So you just do it. You read in your free time. You read subject matter books. (laughs) You read, you're not reading like maybe that amazing work of fiction that where you can escape, but you're reading that volume on the Congo or whatever the case may be in your free time because you have a job to do and you need to kind of get there, get skill up as quickly as possible or just get read in as quickly as possible. Does any of that resonate with you? Yeah, but you know, I really underscore, Andrew, that it's about the team. And so in any of these positions, you're there based on the people that you serve and the people who are are serving with you. And so they often, I mean, they're the ones who are the subject matter experts. They're the ones who are taking in into the details or the ones who are are helping you and teeing you up and getting you smart, uh, whether that's within the intelligence organization, the policy organization, I mean, first and foremost, your team, direct team that you're working for, and then all the others who are there. And again, I think that gets back to that that service orientation of people who work in government is that they want to serve the mission. And, and by serving the mission, everybody helps everybody else out and, and gets them to where they need to go. So it's it's really an effort in which everybody is supported by everyone else. So that's really the trick of, of how you get there. So it's knowing who to call on to get the information you need. Yeah. And then also drawing upon the support of your team. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, you're only as good as your team, to be honest, I would say. So you need, you need that collaboration, that support, that teamwork. You're all in it together, regardless of whether you're the leader or if you're the the staff. I mean, you're all charging towards the same direction and, and each of you is making the other better. Before we flash back to when you were in college, Michelle, I thought it might be a good moment for us to press pause and speak to something that I know is really important to you. And that is what it has been like often being the only female, the only woman in the room. Can you share that with our young listeners? Sure. I think it's really important that there is representation. And I'm, I'm proud that I've been a woman in the room and creating some diversity of perspective or thought or just changing perhaps that dynamic that you get when people are of different composition or makeup or perspective and so forth. And so I, I do think it's really important that we have greater diversity in all of our rooms, whether that's gender or race. 
or you know, socioeconomic background or perspective, that's what makes teams stronger is when you're thinking from a more diverse background or, or foundation. And that's where you can get more creative and, and really have stronger ideas come forward. So I've been, I've been really fortunate to be in those positions. I really believe strongly in women, peace and security and that we need to elevate women and create greater gender parity across the security spectrum. I certainly advocate for that and believe in that in the countries that I advise on, but then also within this country, I think it's really important that we that we change that dynamic and, and stop repeating the cycles that we've done in the past. So I, I fervently believe in the need for greater diversification. You were saying in our Espresso Shots interview, and please check out show notes to see if that episode has already dropped, that one of the life experiences that you've had that you think really helped tee you up for these types of circumstances where you would be the only or one of the only women in the room has been your experience playing division one soccer. Yeah. And I would actually trace it back to playing third grade soccer. (laughs) So I think it was even, I think ultimately playing in college was, you know, it's the apex, but it was really the the skills and the development and the formation that occurred at a very young age, going into an area that was new for me, that I wasn't good at, that I had to learn how to do it. That at the time was actually pretty scary and intimidating, especially for a shy kid. But then I was able to develop and excel. And then ultimately that took me to playing on regional teams and then state teams where oftentimes I was the only person from my town on those teams. And so I really had to develop those skills to build rapport, to create relationships, to Actually, oftentimes my parents, I'm the youngest of nine kids. And so my parents put, I would say, a good degree of responsibility on me at a young age to to sort it out. So I had to schedule my own rides to games or figure out where people lived in different towns and get directions and make sure that I was able to get there. And so through soccer, I definitely developed really core critical life skills, but then also I'd say leadership skills. So the, the confidence that you get from winning a state championship or working with your team and putting in the hours and slogging it out and training and then actually reaping the rewards on the field or, you know, those last five minutes of a game when you are completely gassed out and yet you're a defender and you know any one slip can result in a, a goal against your team and that you've got to grind it out. I certainly think that those scenarios are replicated within the workplace, you know, when you have to get something in on a deadline, you have to support the secretary, despite the fact that you're exhausted and, and it needs to get done. So I really think that it's, it's, for me has been critical in my formation. I've definitely benefited from the ability to play sport. I think also having that sense of camaraderie, that sense of community with women, and then also just on a larger front. And then also playing with boys. I can tell a story from when I was in Spain in southern Spain and we were on the beach and, and the boys were playing soccer and so I just jumped in in order to play with them and they were surprised that I could play one and then two I said no I play I play football which is how you say it in, in Spanish and they said oh you must play American football there's no way you could play soccer you know that's that's such a, a male sport and so the ability to actually interact with them to be on par with them to be a peer with them playing and then also to beat some of them certainly is is a way that I think helps build confidence or puts you on a literally level playing field in the field. But then also you can take the skills and those experiences into the professional arena. And thus perhaps you know, I may not be as intimidated being the only female in a room, having been the only female on a field. Oh, 
What a great story, Michelle. So what position did you play? Were you a defender? I was a defender, although I initially was midfield. I think, you know, over the course of that long of a playing career, or not that long. I mean, I make it sound like I'm playing from a young age through. I, I pretty much played every position, including goalie. So, you know, actually, maybe this is another story. As you say, how do you throw yourself into a role and just get yourself up to speed? I mean, at one point, actually in college, our goalies were hurt. And so we were down and I just, we needed a goalie. And I just threw my name out to volunteer, even though I hadn't played since I would say fifth grade or maybe fourth (laughs) grade. So, um, you know, I think sometimes you just go for it. So I've pretty much played everything, but for the most part, I've been a defender. And I am so glad that you brought up your birth order out of nine kids. Holy cow. That's another life experience. I mean, it's something to think about in terms of if you come from a large family, these are, you are learning how to negotiate, how to, how to navigate a, sometimes a bureaucracy, not quite the size of the Pentagon, but hey, you know, it can be a lot more ferocious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd say big families are certainly complex and I'm certainly fortunate to have been part of one because I don't think I could have one. But kudos to my parents for just the level of, of love and the level of work and stress and effort and you know providing that they put into all of us. It's really extraordinary. I was I'm lucky to have had such remarkable people to be raised by. Shout out but to after- Mr. and Mrs. Lenahan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were they were amazing for sure. For sure. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I was born into a team. And as you know, I was born into a complex organization. So I think he certainly learned some of those skills. And then also being the youngest. I mean, my oldest sibling is 18 years older than I was, than I am. So I mean, there's a, a pretty broad age range there. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.